Recorded live. not even realize what you've learned until a later date. 
And let me tell you what I'm saying, what, what I mean by that. And then this is from personal experience, and this is what happened. And some of you may be able to say amen, and some of you may not even have a clue what I'm talking about. That's between you and the Lord. But back when I was, let's say, 20, let's say 19, 90, 1985, 86, I remember my Bible teacher telling us and my pastor that get when you're going through all this, you're going to go be going through at light speed what you're being taught. What the Holy Spirit wants you to get, you'll get. You may not remember it tomorrow, but there'll be a time in your life when a certain circumstance will arise, and Doc said the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance. And I thought, what in the world is this joker talking about? I barely can remember enough of this stuff to to get through a test at the end of the week, you know, and make a decent grade on my exams when I was in Bible college. But you know what? I have found since that period of time, and especially in the last, say, 15, 20 years, the old man was right. The old man was right. You think that, uh, those of you that's been with me for going on four years, if you had called on me, um, if, if somebody would have told me that some of the stuff that the Lord has shown me and that the Lord would bring to remembrance all the scripture that I quote and the knowledge that I've learned over through experience and by my teacher, for all that length of time, would bring it back. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have believed it. But it, that's the way the Lord works. Get what you can get. Rest assured that it's being stored in your spiritual memory and in your mind, in your in your natural mind. And the Holy Spirit will call it back to remembrance. And you know what that shows? That shows that the Lord's not going to have any trouble at the judgment seat of Christ. For those that are his, not gonna have it. It make it, it makes you understand how easy it will be for the Lord to call back every thought, every imagination, everything that's ever been logged into your memory. But when we finish this book, there's gonna all, we're gonna we're gonna run through different characters, and you're gonna find out uh, one lesson you're gonna learn is how the Lord uses common people. And he chooses whom he wants to choose. And some of them, there'll be something that's um, unique about them. We're fixing to run into that in shortly. And you'll find out, you'll come to the point where you'll understand you don't have to be great. See, that's where that judging yourselves among yourselves and trying to put your, trying to, to say, well, I need to be like him. No, you need to be like you because you're unique. And if you're the Lord's, you have a unique gift. And there's no certain written down rules and regulations on how that gift is used and when it's used. But the only way you will ever come to this knowledge is to be is, is a surrendered heart. Okay? A heart that's malleable that the Lord can use. In other words, you've got to get to the point to where 
no matter how many people laugh at you, no matter how many people you, you may think don't like what you're saying, or you say you, let me give you an example. Let me just give you a biblical, one biblical example before we get started here. And we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Look at Moses. I mean, I don't care about none of his um, prior upbringing because he was in the king's castle. No, no, the Pharaoh's castle now. That's not the point I'm trying to get across to you because we're going to find out many more um, examples that ain't got nothing to do with anybody that was part of the, the Pharaoh's house or any kind of upbringing that put him in royalty. But Moses stuttered. He, he was slow. His speech was bad. He was slow of speech, and there was there was there. And he that's he told the Lord, "I can't do this," you know. And, and he won. He won the battle with the Lord on that one. The Lord said, "Okay, he says you can't do it. I'll get Mo, Aaron to speak for you." Okay. And look how great Moses was. The Apostle Paul, they called his speech contemptible. And I'm not just I'm just using these couple of things for examples. But we're going to get to the common folk here in this that God uses as judges for his people. And you can transfer that into the ministry today. Individuals called out of God in the body of Christ, in the bride of Christ, in his church. So don't let so you will get down on yourself. You'll think you'll think it in humility, but deep down inside, real deep, probably lower than you probably know. If God's got His hand in your life, and you're making the excuses that you can't do that, it's not because you can't do that. Because you can, you and God make a majority, and it's that like the old cliche goes: if God can use Balaam's ass, He can use anybody as long as they'll yield themselves to the Lord and surrender and bow the knee for service. And like the old saying goes, happy is the man that finds out what God wants him to do and does it. And as cliche as that is, all I can say to that is amen and amen. And my prayer for you, whoever hears this, that the same happens for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd take the words that I just said, use them for your honor and glory, Father. Touch the one that needs touching. I know they're out there, Lord. There always is. Your word never goes out, Father, unless it that it does what it is set out to do, either conviction or bringing somebody into your service or conviction of sin or teaching or whatever, Father. But I know you'll do what you want to do. Almighty Father in heaven, I pray tonight that you'd cleanse everyone of any fault, any sin in their life that they don't haven't confessed yet or haven't realized was a was a stumbling block in their life. I pray that you'd cover it with your precious blood, for we know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Father, I pray that you guide my lips tonight. Father, fill me with your spirit. May I be an instrument for you. Put Don Spears to the side, Father, and may the Holy Spirit speak through me through your word, and teach your word to the ones that are here tonight, Father, and the ones that download the program. Be with Brother Dave and Brother Chad as they read the scriptures, and God, Brother Kevin, 
See moderates the program. Be with everyone in the chat room, Father. I pray the same for them, for it's in the name of Jesus. I ask these things, and for his sake alone, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay. Brother Chad, you can go ahead and start at verse 10. I think that's where, well, i tell you what, go back. <laughs> brother Dave's already grand. He knows what I'm fixing to do. Go back, start at verse 1, brother. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> I thought you were going to say verse 7, but verse 1 will work. All right. Judges chapter 2. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt, and I brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. Okay, you stop right there for just a second, brother. I made mention last night about how the Lord put a thorn in Paul's side. And the angel of the Lord says, here, hey, I'm not taking this away. I'm not going to drive these suckers out for you. You done been disobedient. You know, you were supposed to kill. Joshua was, was supposed to wipe them all out, men, women, and children. Why have you done this? You know, I'm not driving them out for you going to use them but you're going to find that he's going to that that the lord takes your mistakes a lesson out of this is the lord takes your mistakes and in the end turns it around as a tool for you for your benefit that's the reason romans 8 28 in the word of god see that's just one of the little bitty lessons you'll learn from this book there are all kind of spiritual lessons to learn but anyway, the Lord, the angel of the Lord, praying the Christophany, or the the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate condition, makes this statement to them, and they get all teary-eyed, you know, and they feel sorry, and so they do a sacrifice to the Lord, and then they think everything's wonderful. Go ahead, brother. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now I want you folks to watch this. Before he reads verse 11, they, you know, the angel of the Lord comes down and makes an appearance. And it gets, they all get under conviction, you know, they sell out and they repent of this and repent of that and do a sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. 
all this stuff. They are right with God now. This glory, hallelujah, praise his holy name, you know. Hallelujah, glory to God. Just the way it is with us a lot of times. I mean, you seek the Lord out, and you're bawling and squalling, and you've done found something, and the Lord's done put his finger on something in your life, and you he puts the screws to you, and the Holy Spirit convicts you, and you 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 really you you are in deep you're in deep water, and you're sorry for it, godly sorrow, true repentance. You get and you realize that the Lord has forgiven you, and you get up and you're hallelujah, glory to God, everything's wonderful. Oh, you're on the mountaintop. Up, uh, boop, 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 you hit a rock, boop, stumble, boop, 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 down that mountain you go to the pits again. Like I told you, folks, it's all a big old circle. It's all a big old circle at the top, the big circle, the wheel of history. Like I said, you can bring it right on that wheel, keeps on turning. Keeps on turning till it gets down to you. And your life cycle. As a Christian, that's the way it is. Even the natural world comes under those laws. Can't be denied. There's no exceptions to the rule but one. The Lord Jesus Christ. Watch the very next verse. Brother Chad, very next verse. Verse 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They're Balaam. Now you can you, you can take it at face value. They served the old sun god Baal, but you can spirit you understand the spiritual meaning of what it's saying. Okay, and as we were going to see, it's going to get a little bit more personal. Shortly, just a minute. Go ahead, brother. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods. Other gods. And I made mention of it. I've, I've made mention of this ad nauseum. A lot of people think that oh, it's got to be a, some, a statue or something like that. And I've and I made and I was very adamant last night about the throne of your heart because what sits on the throne, folks, and rules you is your God. It's either big G or little G. And it don't have to be a statue. And it don't have to be a symbolic Nimrod and Semiramis. And it don't have to be this. And it, 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 folks, it can be your children. God is a jealous God. He will not take second place to anybody or anything. Some people these days have got the wild idea that God don't demand that much from you. You're talking about apostasy, apostatizing in the last 150 years. Oh, my goodness. It can be a car. It can be uh, somebody on television. It could be it could, what you replace that throne is guarded. It's supposed to be guarded. 
I've given you tool after tool after tool after tool, whether you realize it or not, how to fight this battle to keep that throne room sacred for the one that belongs on it. David puts it this way in Psalms 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, if you rip that verse out, stick it in front of your face every day for about seven days and see how personally it gets with you. See? What does that mean? Oh, my, come on, give me a break, see? Where where do you come from? It means exactly what it says. But how many obey it? That's just one that's just one thing right there. That's just one little bitty thing. See, I I've watched people's lives over I I've watched them. Old, young alike, when they come across knowledge like this and, and get to that question put to them, they look for every reason under the sun not to obey and not to take these admonitions to heart. Every excuse in the world. Well, let me tell you what, folks. The Lord's going to have, at the judgment seat of Christ, your excuse is not going to hold water. Your bucket's got it doesn't have a bottom in it, okay? Because he knows every secret motive, everything about you, every reason you do, everything you do, even if you don't know the reason you're doing it, he knows the reason. He knows the subconscious as well as the conscious. If you want to get Freudian, okay? In other words, to the Lord, you're naked. I'm naked. We walk around, we hide no sick, and I mean that in the figurative sense. We can't hide anything from the Lord. Do you believe that? Well, if you say yes, well, do you act on it? Do you treat him like he can? You see what I mean? Tough, isn't it? Amen, Brother Don. That's good preaching. You're exactly right. I'll say it myself, okay? I know it's true. I'm guilty myself. Not true with me. Not in that way. Well, you, you're the fourth member of the Trinity then. And there ain't one. Just saying, folks. I'm just saying there's a reason the Lord sent us back here and he's going to accomplish and he's going to He's going to pick the fruit he wants. Continue on, brother. And they followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. You know what? On the, the, the pragmatic way of looking at this, it, 
than the historicity of it. Israel always loves a female god goddess to go along with the male god Baal. They're drawn to that. Why is this always Baal and Ashtoreth? It goes all the way back, all the way back to the beginning of human history, folks. When the table of the nations are laid out, okay, all the way back to Babel. The influence that Babel had on world history is is tremendous. You, you you've got the the two the two opposing forces. All, all this beginning of this book, all down through history. Why is it that there's always wanting? Why is it is both? It's that androgynous. That both that androgyny, both male and female. What is what's what's going on there? You reckon they had women's livers back then? Ah, probably so. Ain't nothing new under the sun. I imagine more than men because of the wicked imaginations of their heart than it was women. Knowing human nature, I imagine it probably was 95 to 98% men that went the extra way. Continue, brother. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could... so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Yeah, Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy 28 and 29, the covenant relationship that he made, you know, blessings and cursings. The land's horrid. He he brought evil against them. But even at the the time when he's bringing evil against them, and he's got he and he and he's left these these sinners are sin in the land. Nevertheless, verse sixteen, brother. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. See there. Talking about a loving father. <laughs> He's a character, isn't he? Endless chances with this, with these with this with his children here. It's endless chances with all of us, brother. Yes. Continue. Verse seventeen. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. See, those, like it says in Isaiah, no, no matter what's going on, then that verse comes in, yet the Lord's hand, his arm is stretched out still. And like that psalm that I forget how, I think it may be the longest psalm in the book of Psalms, it was the Lord's mercy endures forever. 
The Lord's mercy endures forever. Da, 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 the Lord's mercy endures forever. I forget which psalm that is. The Lord's mercy endures forever. We have a very loving Father. He is very patient and long-suffering. And we take advantage of him all the time. You see, because the stuff that I've talked about so far, there, there, there's nothing theological. It's not a matter of doctrinal opinion. See, see, this is where, this is where. I mean, did any anybody that knows the Lord knows that what I've told you is true? In other words, there's no discussion for uh, doctrinal disputation. Only if you're amongst a bunch that spend all their time pointing fingers everywhere else and never go to the bathroom and get in front of the sink, raise their eyes and look in the mirror. And I've spent too many programs past telling you what that bunch, who they, who they are. Continue, brother. Verse 18. Okay, and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that old will, that old will. See, the Lord's feeling sorry for him and sends him a judge to help them out a little while, and, and when the judge dies, what happens to them? Think, did you reckon they learned anything? Nope. Nope. Didn't learn nothing. You see, there's a difference today, folks. I've been making that case, the difference of the indwelling spirit now the difference of Christ in you, the hope of glory now. See, that gives you the ability that these folks did not have. That's this, that, see, because the, the, the New Testament breaks the second law of thermodynamics. I hate to keep saying that, but if, if, if anybody is intrigued enough to go find out what I'm talking about, you'll understand what I'm saying. You'll understand why Paul says the things he says. Something new has been added, see? The old carnal man wants to live in the letter, even though it kills him all the time. See, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. In other words, I'm talking about the Hebrew roots people that think they can please God by eating certain things and by going to certain feast days and all. I'm talking about for this period of time. The dog won't hunt, folks. It's inward now. See? It's to the it's to the inward man now. All that outward show of phylactery and fine dress and, and looking like a Pharisee and acting like a Pharisee, those days, those days died with the resurrection. Because Jesus Christ answered all the requirements God laid down in the law. When he said telestai, or it is finished, 
It he meant every word of it. It was finished. That the old, as it says in the Hebrews, would vanish away and the new would come on the scene. So we have an extra boost. Though our outward man perish, I quoted it last night, the inward man is renewed day by day by the Spirit. They did not have this. They did not have this. That's what makes it a little different now. But with the old natural man, now you now is it really coming home to you how much responsibility we have? Now is it starting to come home how important it is about this book and the Spirit of God dwelling in your life? See, because it is different now. If we take advantage of it. Now do you understand why I made the comment that there's three tribes that's not mentioned here? In the whole book, they're not mentioned. And why there's three classifications in the New Testament that God deals different with? <laughs> oh, well. Continue on, brother. Those that needs to get it will get what I said. Go ahead, brother. And corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it, or not. Be there. Now you find out Romans eight twenty eight why they didn't why the angel of the Lord said we're going to drive them out. The Lord left them there for a reason, just like He leaves things in your life for a reason. Test you. You got trouble with dope. You got trouble with pride. You got trouble with greediness you have trouble with anger you have trouble with alcohol you have trouble with pornography what is it what sits on that throne you have trouble with worldliness you have trouble with peer pressure what if, what if, what, what if, what is it? Which one of these did the Lord leave in your life? To test you and prove you. Only you know the answer. And the Lord knows the answer. You see, the only thing that I know is that it's there. <laughs> it's there in spades. 
Amen, amen, amen. Continue, brother. Last verse 23. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily. Neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. Okay. Next chapter, Brother David. Okay. Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof, namely five lords of the Philistines, and all the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon unto entering in of Hamath. You notice that Mount Baal Hermon? Mm -hmm. Baal Hermon? (laughs) From Mount Baal Hermon? Mount Hermon? They melded them together. Must be the same. It's got to be the same mountain, yes? Well, brother, yes. Yeah, of course. Oh, absolutely. Mount Hermon, where the angels that left their first estate, came down, touched down. There's five of these folks. There's five of these nations here. Five of them. I wonder what that means. Does that mean anything? There's just five of them? That there's five of them? I don't know, does it? I've told you this before, folks. Ad nauseum. Of course, I'm sure you, I could ask you, none of you would. Maybe Brother Chad might. Maybe Brother David might. Maybe Brother Kevin might. Number, what is five? Do you know what five is uh, stands for in the Word of God, Chad? Yeah, that's the, uh, oh, I was going to say the number of, of man, but no, it's uh Brother Dave? That's number six, sorry. Uh, would it be the five senses? Brother Kevin? I couldn't understand the question. You know what the number five stands for throughout the Word of God? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Number five is the number of death, folks. Genesis 5-5, five, five, the Genesis first man died. Genesis 5-5, yes. Genesis 5-5, five, five, the first. The only time five stands for grace, that's what the, these, this, this Judeo-Christian crowd will tell you. Oh, five's the number of grace. Five bleeding wounds he bear. That's the only time. That five stands for grace. Notice the fives in the Bible. When you get to a chapter five, notice the context. When you get to a verse five, notice the con- notice what shows up in the subject matter of that verse. As you go through the scriptures, let me just go ahead and tell you what you'll find. That 85% of those will be bad. Will have to do with death, dying, destruction, or have something to do that's in the negative. Okay? 10% of them will fall in the good category, and 5% of them will be neutral. That's from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Okay? Check it out. Check it out. There's five. Five of these suckers here that the Lord leaves to prove his people. Canaanites. Even high bites, Jabez, blah, blah, ites, ites everywhere, bud lights, electric lights, you know, a bush lights, all kind of lights, ites everywhere. Continue, Brother Dave. 
Okay. Verse 3. Uh, verse 4, sorry. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the ch children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. Now I want and you they, folks to, I want this is what I, this is what I was talking about last night. I want you folks to get this. All right, I want you to get it. Continue on, brother Dave. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Wow. This is what I would say. <laughs> oh. This is what we were talking about last night, folks. All this purity. Listen. They made the Lord mad. Okay. But they took every one of these tribes, took them, took them wives of these heathen. All right. Just, just, just whenever when when you hear the propaganda out there that takes your mind off actually the word of God and puts it on a social a social disease, which is race mixing that God hates and despises and would not accept Esau's repentance because of it. That's how severe it is. But, but that's neither here nor there. That's a settled fact. But when that's all somebody wants to talk about, and that's all that they propagate all the time, there is a problem. There is a huge problem. And that's what you get amongst a lot of teachers and preachers. Okay? It may not be the very, the, the keep your race pure, keep your race pure. Great, wonderful. Go on to the next subject. Got it. Got it. Don't need to hear it. Go on to the next subject, you know. And I've got my own hobby horses. I know that. Don't, don't plan. I'm not trying to be hypocritical. I just, I know the truth. I know how us preachers are. All right? But the ones that stay on the same subject, all these thinking time, all right? They're not giving you all the counsel of God. Is that hard to understand? Brother Chad, turn to, turn to Acts chapter 20, okay? Okay. And let me show you what every, if a, I'm now see, if they really are called of God to teach or preach, if they really do have the calling in their life, then they should go to the teach. The, the numero uno teacher and see what and and pattern their life and their their methods after him. Why do you do that? Because he tells you the Holy Spirit a lot told him five times to tell you that. It's pretty important. It's the only the only place, only only apostle outside the Lord Jesus Christ who is God manifest in the flesh that you're told to follow that you're told to, to obey and to do as he did five times 
and the inferences of probably four or five more times. How plain, what does be ye follower of me, me mean when Paul says be ye follower of me? That, do you have to go to the Greek to get it? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you before you turn, it means be ye follower of me. All right? When he tells them, do those things which you have seen me do, you know what it means in the English, in the Greek? It means do those things which you've seen me do. Direct commandments that nobody wants to talk about amongst our persuasion because they ain't none of them out there doing squat except talking about the same hmm, here I go now I'm going to be following the same category if I keep reprimanding that heathen bunch go ahead brother Acts chapter 20 verse 20 starting verse 20 and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul kept back nothing that was profitable, okay? Nothing that was profitable. Keep on, brother. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. I'm looking for the verse where it says, I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I think it's right above where you start. No, it's down at 27. Okay, continue on. Okay. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now... Behold, I know that ye all... Oh, whoa, whoa, brother, you must have made a mistake. That must be a, a, an error in the King James Bible. He said he shunned not to declare unto it, that he, wait, to give them the, the gospel of what? Well, that was... That, I'm not at verse 27, yes. So, no, 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 no. He said he told them... He, he, go back and read the previous two okay, verses. Okay, yeah, verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. They say there, there must be something wrong. I thought, according to a bunch of folks, that's the gospel of the race of God. Oh, I, yeah, no, it says, it says grace. That's what I Pastor thought. And, and you know what the Greek says, folks? It, it's grace. All right. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Okay. Paul tells them that he's preaching the gospel of the grace of God to them in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is not a literal, physical, visible kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. But see, Paul makes that plain in Romans 14 when he says that uh, uh, flesh and blood, that no, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, 
for flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he says in Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, it's physical stuff. It's not physical stuff. So all the Hebrew roots folks have done they've done fell off the boat again. It's not keeping feast days and what you eat and what you drink, blah, blah, blah. What is it, Paul? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen. Oh, my goodness. I'm not making this stuff up, folks. Continue, Brother Chad. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. By the grace of God, I have been trying to do it for you folks that will just listen for going on four years. God giving me grace, keeping me alive. Brother Dave, continue. Judges, chapter 3, verse 8. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathayim king of Mesopotamia. Pretty good, and the children... brother. That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Very good. Do that one more time for me, brother. That was so oh, good. It's coming right up again. <laughs> and the children of Israel served Kushan Rishathayim. That's fantastic, brother. <laughs> Go ahead. Eight, eight years. And when the children of Israel cried... Unto the Lord. You see the here, Lord here they go, here they go. They done, they done screwed up, they done got in the pits, Lord beating the hell out of them, and then they cry unto the Lord. Sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> Sounds like us. <laughs> yes, it does. Continue, brother. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Okay, I want to stop here and make, I'm going to talk about this guy for just a second, who the Lord raises up. The only thing, there's a little nepotism going on here. The only thing this guy has going for him that the Word of God is, tells you about is that he was uh, kin to Caleb. He was Caleb's younger brother. You see that out in the world, folks. You see that among the elite that people get positions of privilege because of who their kin folks are, of the lineage, see? That's just a small example. See, but here it's in the good light, it's in the good way. This is what the Lord chose to do. That's the person he picked out. But there's nothing else said about him. About how he had this special talent? No. He happened to be the younger brother of Caleb. That's that's the Lord's reasoning here, according to his own words. Would you have thought about that if you'd have read through it? Hmm? You see, the Lord don't have to have a th- something special. He makes that plain in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He gives you a whole list of the degenerates that the Lord uses. And he says... Few wise men, few noble are called. See, he calls a few. He calls a few, okay, to balance it out. But the majority is out of the pit, see. To start with, you can't even get in the, in the race unless you're ungodly because Christ came to save the ungodly, see. 
<laughs> you don't even stay. You don't win place or show. So if you claim to be righteous, he didn't come to save the righteous. He didn't come to call righteous, but sinners to repent. If you're if you're leaning on your own self righteousness, you 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 just you just as good as in hell with the door closed. Continue, brother Dave. Verse ten, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he notice, judged. You notice this: the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Big S, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It's important to know that, to notice this, all through the Old Testament, folks. How the Spirit of the Lord, his, his workings were in the Old Testament and the New Testament are totally different. Doctrinal, absolute truth. Cannot get around it if you believe the words you read. No indwelling of the Spirit, no seal to the day of redemption. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Continue, brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathayim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathayim. And the land had rest forty years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. That's all it said about him. What was the great thing about this guy? Nothing more than he was the brother Caleb. That's it. That's the way the Lord chose. That's the reason the Lord chose him. The way it appears, anyway. That's what's written down. Verse twelve, brother. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. That wheel keeps on turning. It just keeps on turning. Now do you understand? I mean, right here, just here in the third chapter of this book, I told you, that this, uh, this book is the philosophy of history. See? You can find the philosophy of history in this book right here, and it's infallible. It's infallible. Continue, brother. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Now, here he chooses another judge. Oh, what's so hard about this guy? He's a red-headed southpaw. That's what Eglin means, by the way, red-headed. Sorry, you Judeo-Christians. Not no raven hair and brown eyes. A red-headed, blue-eyed Benjamite. Or green-eyed. <laughs> In one verse, tells you all kind of stuff. That's that's what this guy had going for him. 
God took what he had. The red hair is just a sideshow. Just, I just threw that in there for the Anglo-Israel truth, folks. But the left hand is, the left-handedness is what the Lord uses. Watch, just watch what's coming. Watch what's said, and you'll see how the Lord works. How simple, so such a, such a off-the-wall thing for the Lord to use in our eyes. But this guy's a southpaw, left-handed. And that's why I was chosen. You're going to see why. Continue, brother. But Ehud made him a dagger, which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. Now, and he, why, did he got it, why did he put it on his right thigh? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> why did he put it on his right thigh? Think about that. He's got, remember, he's left-handed. Why did he put it on his right thigh? See? Or more than likely, you're going to find out, he's going to see old King, the big fat boy, the fat cat, and I imagine to get an audience with him, they had to check him for weapons. And probably since the majority of people are right-handed, I mean, and he was left-handed, they, oh, check his left side, he's left-handed. They didn't check the right side. In God's wisdom, he knew what he's doing, folks. Oh, this will preach. This will preach. Just dumb, simple something like this. Continue, Brother Dave, let's check it out. Yes, but Ehud made him a dagger with two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and Corey, sorry, that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And he had put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft uh, and the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. Wow. And the dirt that, came just, out. And the dirt came out. He had, must had rolls of fat. <laughs> oh, fat cat here. Took that dagger with his left hand from his right side, left and right, and stuck it in fat boy. And then the dirt comes out because the rolls of fat, he ain't washed between his rolls of fat. <laughs> if I was or it could be um, feces. Do what? Could be feces, right? Well, could be, absolutely. Yeah. Could have hit the intestines, you know, absolutely. The, uh, um. The cubit long, 18 inches, right? Right at it, yeah. About According 18. to which cubit you're going by, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, if it's a royal, I think it's 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a pretty long blade. Yeah, it would more than likely be 18 inches. Yeah. But, yep, that's what, that's the reason he chose this, this sucker, this, this Benjamite, but just because the only apparent reason is he was left-handed. And the only other characteristic about him worth noting was he was red-headed. Wow. And Chase, you think I'm making it up. Brother Dave, look his name up in the Strong's Concordance and read it to him, okay? Okay. In case there's some Judeo-Christians happen to be listening that are, are shocked. <laughs> okay. Ehud, uh, Strong's definition, Ehud, from the same as H-161. United, Ehud, the name of two or three Israelites, Ehud. Um, under outline of biblical usage, I will give thanks, I will be praised, or undivided union, uh, a Benjamite judge of Israel, deliverer of Israel from Moabite. Uh, maybe it's uh, from the same as H-161, I should check that. What does it say? Son of Simeon, a grandson of Jacob, Ohad. From an unused root, meaning to be united, unity, Ohad, and Israelite. Uh, sorry, I don't see Keep that looking. red anywhere. Keep looking. Uh, where am I going to look? <laughs> Under the root word. I just did that. H1, I, I looked up uh, the same as H161. Um Yeah. It must be the first syllable of his word of his name. I've forgotten where the reference is at. Right. Um, see, see, folks, this is why you need to check me out because I'm going by memory. Okay, spell his name for me, brother. Let me go find it myself. E H U D. Okay. I will give thanks. I will be praised. Yeah. Doesn't have it there. Uh, and then if you go into Strong's definition and it says the same as in a H-161. This is definitely a reason folks to show up to. Yeah, there's only one root word. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me see. I was wrong, folks. That's just my memory. Check. Well, you, the Blue Letter Bible sometimes doesn't give you as in-depth a definition as if you go to an old Strong's, you know, the Concordance. Oh, really? The older well, one? That, oh, yeah. That's sometimes probably, you'll see a longer I'm not trying one. to take up for myself, folks, okay? I'm yeah. just saying what Brother David's saying is true. So, And that's yeah. when I heard it. It was a long time ago. I was an old Strong's, okay? So, uh, and I'm not defending you either. No, I'm just I don't making, want to yeah, a fact that if you check some of these words out, you'll get a lot more definition and sometimes more root words as well. Right, right. Anyway, always check it out. Because I have folks. an old one. Good. Amen, brother. Always check it out, folks. Always check it out. Check it out to the re re uh, research it to the umpteenth degree because you want to, the truth. Don't ever forget that because the truth will set you free. 
Amen. Okay. Continue on, brother. Verse 26. And Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Sirath. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount and he before them. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him, and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab, and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about ten thousand men, all lusty, and all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest fourscore years. And after him was Shamgar, okay, the son of Anah. Let's stop, let's stop right there. And after him was who? Shamgar. And him was Shamgar, the son of Anath. Yeah, we'll stop with this judge tonight right here. So... Y'all can check that out, and I, I will as well, because um, my memory usually doesn't make that big a mistake. But definitely got you. Brother Dave, check, if you don't mind, since you've got have one handy, check the root words on that, because I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive I'm right on this, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But, yeah. hey, but right now I'm wrong. Until I'm proven I, right, I'm wrong. Yeah, okay? I know what I said is true, because if you uh, look up the word Adam, for example, in the old... Uh huh. Strong's concordance, you get a lot more meaning and right. a lot uh, more roots than you do on the blue letter. Brother David, the Strong's concordance that I gave you, I think, is an old Strong's. I'm not sure. I forgot. I, I forget exactly when it was purchased. I think it was purchased back in '75. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Just check it out. But you can check that con- the concordance I gave you. Well, he's got a big. I gave him a big Strong's that I've had for years. Anyway, is there any questions in the chat room? Yeah, Dave, you want to add add anything, Brother Chad? Um, No, no. This book just gets better and better. Um, Oh, it will. Guest 5 brought up a point. Now, there, this is partially true, I believe. All them Benjamites were taught to fight left-handed. Well, not all of them, but there was a big group of them that were left-handed that were taught to um, sling rocks. That's left-handed. right. That's what you'll find. We'll get into yeah. that later on. And there, then the Benjamite has a homosexual problem as well. Yeah. Y'all did know that, right? Well, you do now, and you'll see it as we go along. Yeah. Yeah, they have problems with 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 faggots in their bloodline. I won't very many people tell you that, but the word of God will, because it doesn't it takes its heroes and shows you their weaknesses. There's no book like it, folks, on earth. Every other book, every other religious book on the I'm I use that word loosely, religious book on this earth embellishes its heroes. The word of God does not. It tells you if they do something wrong, and it tells you when they do something right. 
like a just God would do, see? There's so many ways you know this this book is so fantastic. And it's so supernatural and it's not it's not of this it's not of this plane, folks, okay? It is not. Like I heard a preacher say one time when he went to bed at night he'd take a magic marker and draw around it. Make sure the next morning when he woke up it hadn't moved. He's so alive. Now what you, um, what else did um uh, guess the five say? Anything else? Uh, just a um, well, it's in Genesis, I think. Shooting bows with left fist fights, throwing spears. Yeah, it's in Judges here. You will be coming up to it. I mean, they're good. Where yeah, we sure will. We're going to get a regiment. Them. That's right. I think it was 1,200 of them. And they almost get wiped out. I mean, they're going to wipe. I mean, they... <laughs> They're, they're, all the Benjamites almost, they almost get extinguished. You remember the story, Brother David? Yes, I do. Just, uh heard it tonight again. They almost get extinguished. Anyway, yes. folks. Well, um, guess, uh, before you go, I uh, guess I said, uh, I don't know if this is true, and most of the apostles were Benjamites? I'm not sure. That is uh, something that I believe um, was taught. By CI, I think it yeah. is too. But the only Benjamin I know of is Saul. Yeah, 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 Paul. But he, he um, it, because they were up in the north part of uh, Judea and then to Galilee, they, I think, there's some surmising there. But yeah, I would think the, the northern part of Israel, the Benjamites weren't up there. They're they're from Nazareth, most of them. Well, number one, one was from Nazareth. One was um. Um, from Naphtali, who was it, Nathan? Mm-hmm. Remember the Lord? That's Nathan? right. And there, there's one that's not a Benjamite. Judas was a Danite from the tribe of Dan. If you search that deep enough, that's what you'll find out. That's the reason that's probably where the uh, the beast will come from, from that tribe of Dan. That's one of the reasons that theologians teach that it's not mentioned the tribe of Dan is not mentioned in uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, folks. Oh, and then he suggests also that Pete, did did Peter swipe the Roman guard's ear off with his left with his left hand? I don't, know. I don't think so. I know he drew his sword. I don't know about no left hand business. I don't remember left hand being in the context. Real quick, no, check I it am. out. It, it's not. I don't think it's in there. I would remember that. I believe. But check it out, brother Dave. Let's make sure. So you would maybe could surmise it by which ear it was if it said that. I don't know. Malchus is the guy's name that he cut his ear off. That's the guy that got whacked. Right. (laughs) Okay, um, Mark 14.47. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. In John eighteen ten, it says it was his right ear, so not not likely his uh, left hand. Right there, it was in. Yeah, no, he. I don't think he's left-handed. Nope. Don't think he's left-handed. But you'll hear, you'll hear, folks. You will hear. Let me let me explain this to you, so you won't. So you'll have to be clear, crystal, crystal. Okay. The reason you hear such uh, such a division and such a 
such a wide barrier in between what you hear other Anglo-Israel truth teachers like CI teach and what I teach. They they don't they don't mind changing the word of God at a drop of a hat. Amen. You hear me? You you know I'm telling you the truth. They'll change this book in a millisecond. Huh? And that should be that right there ought to send alarm bells into in your into your spiritual mind. That right there ought to throw red flags everywhere. Because when I tell you that hey, one of the texts is right or wrong, okay? Now, you, it's up to you and the Holy Spirit to show you which one's right. I tell you this one's right. If you think the Alexandrian text is right, go for it, okay? And wind up where they all wind up at, at the dust heap of spiritual growth and at the dunghill of theology. That's where that bunch winds up, always have. Always have. Nothing good comes out of Egypt, folks. That's the reason the Lord had to call his son out of Egypt, call Moses out of Egypt, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into that theological discussion. Anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. It was his right ear, so it would have been on the left hand of whoever, of Peter. He he possibly could have been left-handed. Possibly, but you can take a right. You can take a sword in your right hand, cut off any any side of anybody's head. Uh, that is correct. It does not say. It makes it. no freaking difference. <laughs> it doesn't say. It's not in the book. <laughs> it sure don't. That's in. That's reading into the text what could or could not be there. Amen. 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 All isogetical teaching. Okay. Anyway, if there's it would, nothing, uh, you would have to be going. straight kind of straight down so it would not infer to me that the guy was left handed but it's possible yeah you'd have well, just stop and think about it because if, you're, if he are was you left facing handed, the guy or is he yeah. got his back turned to you that's true how can you cut it you'd have to come straight down to cut his ear off yeah because if you come at an angle you're going to hit his brain you'll kill the man right right and we know that the Lord reached down and picked the ear up and reattached it. Mm-hmm. So it had to be straight down, which means he could have come. Did he use both hands or just one with the sword? You do <laughs> know you use, you can use both hands with a sword, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this this is quibbling over nothing. Isogetical, yes. Amen, amen, amen. Anyway, anyway, folks, Lord willing and health permitting, we will... Um, Meet back and pick up here where we left off at the end of this chapter, and we'll begin the next chapter Friday night. And if there's nothing else, uh, Brother Dave, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer. Yes. Lord, we give you thanks this evening for the Word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit teaching us tonight. We thank you for the exhortations to follow you. We thank you, Lord, that you teach us to overcome the fear of death, the great enemy that will be the last to be overcome, death. We thank you that we have peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us the victory over our flesh, over our five senses, just like you wanted Israel to have victory over those 
five Philistine tribes. You want us to have victory over this flesh that we're in, that we're this clay tent that we're living in, where the Spirit of Almighty God and our born-again spirit lives. Lord, you want us to reign and rule in our flesh and have control over our five senses and not let them rule us. And for this I ask, Lord, that you help us to rule over our flesh, to reign over our five senses, and that our senses wouldn't seduce us and lead us astray into sin and into disavowing the Word of God, into being renegades, being rebels from the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your Spirit would lead us this week, this evening, in the Word and help us to train ourselves for war against our flesh and against our enemies, not in the flesh, for we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and authorities of power in heavenly places. And Lord, I give you thanks that you train us to overcome these areas, and we have mighty weapons for war. And Lord, I lift up anyone tonight who's struggling in an area, in a battle with sin in their lives that's that's totally overcoming them, and yet they have a cry in their heart to follow you and a cry to overcome and defeat this thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for their deliverance. I pray that the blood of Jesus be on them. I pray that the angels of God and the most Holy Spirit of God who's living in them, if indeed they are born of the Spirit of God, help them to overcome and that the Lord give them the resolution and character and strength to resist this sin. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. And I pray this for all of us in the name of Jesus. And in Jesus' holy name, I give thanks for the answers to these prayers. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. 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 Amen, folks. Okay. Lord willing, folks, I'll uh, see you guys, health permitting, just coming Friday night, and we will pick up here and continue on in this wonderful book of Judges. Brother Dave? Yes. The contact information for Don Spears Ministry. The telephone number is 334397. The email address is also the PayPal account for Pastor Don. The email address is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. You can go to PayPal and enter that account number respect to the Lord at yahoo.com and make your and give your offering to the Lord Jesus Christ and to Pastor Don. And you can also mail offerings or questions or other things that you want to mail to him at his mailing address, 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, everyone. God bless each and every one of you. Good job, Brother Dave, Brother Kevin, Brother Chad. Talk to you guys when you call. All right. Good night, all. Good Good night. night. Brother Chad, this is the song I was telling you that Charles Wesley wrote, okay? Oh, yes. Just going to let you know that before I played it, all right? Excellent. Thanks.